Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Hello and welcome to the CineStream Club, the weekly pod where we pick a film that society adores and run it through the CineStream test, where we answer the big questions like... What should have been left on the cutting room floor? Or who could Tom Hanks play in this movie? Don't forget to subscribe and review and like and share and all that kind of stuff that people usually ask for. But please do it if you like the podcast because it really does help. Here we go. This week on the CineStream Club, we are joined by Kevin McGarn. And if you stay until the end of the podcast, you're in for a little surprise. And now they're moving in heads. They do move in heads. It's Jurassic Park. Dr. Grant, my dear Dr. Thatcher, welcome to Jurassic Park. McGarn! <laughs> Holy hell, it's Trevor Brown. Welcome to the Zoom room! It's Jurassic Park chats! Look at Are the size of them lizards! <laughs> Lads, I've been waiting for... This is a podcast 65 million years in the making. Have <laughs> <laughs> podcasts been around Isn't that it? long, Trev, yeah? <laughs> I think so, yeah. It certainly yeah. feels that way. Yeah, a lizard pod. These call them liz pods back in the day. Um, a swamp pod. I, I've i been looking forward to talking about Jurassic Park in an, uh, in an official capacity for a while now. This is an official capacity? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Can't get much more official than this. Yeah, three lads in, uh, in their bedrooms drinking wine via Zoom. Kevin, you're a welcome guest on the pod this week. Hey, thanks, bud. Just to go through what we're going to do here uh, for your for your benefit, Kevin. Uh-huh. We've got some categories that we're going to talk through. We've all watched the film. We've all watched it in isolation. We're going to come together, have a conversation and, and talk through Jurassic Park. But the first thing we always do is we talk about what memory Jurassic Park evokes for you. Like, where does it bring you back to? And I think this is going to be a special one because I know me and you, Kevin, we're a similar age. Ed, you're a little bit older. What's that, Sonny? <laughs> What's that sunny boy? Can you turn up my ear to number 11? When Ed saw Jurassic Park, he thought it was a documentary about the time where he was born. <laughs> I rode a Trisanatorus Rexy Tops to the movie house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll start with my with my childhood memory of this because it is a special one for me. For me, and I don't know about you lads now, but for me, in 1993, the cinema was a once-a-year event in the Brown House. Yeah. But uh, Jurassic Park was, was, the, was the film of the year, literally. And the first, thing, or the, the first thing I remember when I think about watching the film was the surround sound. And I, I think, and I could be wrong here, and I, didn't, I did not research this, but I think they're really pushing Dobley surround around the time Jurassic Park uh, was released. And it's the first time I remember being in, in the cinema hearing, like, you know, dinosaur noises, like, behind me. Because like, yeah. before then, everything just came from the screen and not around you. 
to the point where I actually thought as a kid and my dad thought as well, he didn't believe that it was all done via like speakers. We both thought that there was like lads down the back making dinosaur sounds. <laughs> like the lads, that, the lads that were taking our tickets then kind of went in, stood down the back making dinosaur noises. Uh, but look, in a nutshell, had a huge effect on me growing up. Um, it also introduced me to people. In secondary school, I made a friend through Jurassic Park. Um, I was walking to the bus one day and <laughs> a guy was buying an ice cream with like his pocket money. Somebody said something about like spending all his money, uh, you know, uh, on a magnum when you could have bought whatever. And he just said something ram- random like, for today, I guarantee it. And it was just such a weird reference. But as a kid, I was like 13 or 14. I'm like, oh, you like Jurassic Park. And then we just referenced Jurassic Park to each other for like a week before we properly got to know each other. <laughs> uh, but Jurassic Park was always in the spine of our of our kind of friendship. And even you, Kev, like I know we did, we did stand up together um, but I do remember one of the first proper conversations we had over a couple of points was over Jurassic Park and that's how we kind of bonded and we still talk about it and you sent me a Jurassic Park mug only a year ago or a couple, maybe a couple of months ago as a little, I'm a very good friend as a little prehistoric pandemic present um, <laughs> <laughs> nice alliteration bro hey I like to, I like to alliterate when I can uh, but yeah look it's, it's a huge movie I love it and yeah interested to hear how what, or what you guys think and Kev you're the guest so I'll, I'll start with you what did what what memory does it evoke for you? I'd love to say I saw it in the cinema, but um, same as you, Trev. We got to the cinema very rarely. Mm. My dad loved films, but cinema was just a bit of a luxury. So the first time I saw it was on video in my cousin Tyg's house, mm. and we just watched it repeatedly over and over and over again. Um, I was just obsessed with it, like for a long time, which is it's kind of weird coming on the podcast to talk about it because I probably thought about this film for about 10 years, yeah. <laughs> but I haven't thought about it in about 10 years. Yeah. So the, my only fear is that I don't actually do this justice. justice. Yeah. I don't access the, the tremendous amount of stupid time I've spent thinking about this film. <laughs> um, like my wife says, I still reference it a lot. But it's 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 one of those rare kind of films that um, they don't uh, they don't make them like they're used to, like uh, the fact that we were like I don't know seven or eight, and we watched a film that's mostly uh, scientists arguing <laughs> with the with the <laughs> yeah. occasional yeah. bit of a, a rubber dinosaur attacking. We loved every second of it, yeah. and it's mm. it's mad. Like we. Um, we were kids and we watched movies written for adults, but when you watch the new Jurassic Park films now, uh, it's like men our age watching movies that are written for kids, essentially. Yeah, and it's funny. It's, it's funny you say that because I know the like this. You now this is getting anarchy already, but getting into the or just to reference the book, the first draft of the novel was written through kids' eyes. Like Michael Crichton wrote, wrote it as like. And I know he's Lex and Tim in the book and that's to bring in that kind of perspective. But he actually had Lex and Tim front and center in the novel and it was very, very much through kids' eyes because he wanted to show the magic of everything. And uh, anyone that he showed it to that read the draft, they were like, oh, this isn't as condescending as it usually is. Because <laughs> usually, yeah. usually he's all about, you know, he's very, very, not condescending, but he's very heavy with the science jargon. Um, but But that was the feedback. Give, give me more of that. And then he went back to the drawing board and then he just did the Michael Crichton on it. And 
brought in all the chaos shit and all the scientific shit and then it became the story that we all know um but to your point to, to what you're saying yeah a lot of the sequels they do they just they they're writing them directly front and center for kids um and I, I, I that is part of the problem with the sequels but we can we can talk about that later as well but yeah i do agree with what you're saying well i mean i think you guys are full of it i think the sequels jurassic world <laughs> the special effects are way better there's way better killings from dinosaurs in it <laughs> killings. no no of killings for dinosaurs. <laughs> of course i'm trolling you of course i'm trolling you uh well my experience with jurassic park was in the cinema uh and we we would go to the cinema reasonably uh re- regular um cinema goers but when we went to see jurassic park i remember we um it was like a special occasion my dad got off early from work and like they they rang the bell uh at the end of the day which was a a bird the cinema bell and then he 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 just uh, slid down the back of uh, the brontosaurus's uh, neck jumped into his uh, rock car and went yeah dabba do let's go see jurassic park um no we we took we 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 came up to dublin for the day and part of the day was we're going to go see jurassic park and we saw it in the savoy in the middle of the day and it was absolutely jam-packed and I always remember, I remember it just being like, yeah, like the, 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 the money shot, the kind of King Kong shot of the T-Rex coming, coming out into the paddock was like a yeah. real, like there was like, normally you go see a movie and there'd be sort of like, ch- you know, chatting a little bit here and there. But when that scene started and when he came out, you could, you could hear the hushed awe of it. Like people were like, fuck. Yeah. And the only other thing I remember of the of the cinema going experience, just that it was a, it was a massively packed screening, and then when Samuel L. Jackson's uh, arm appears, his severed arm, <laughs> uh, which is pretty uh, pretty graphic and gruesome for what is essentially a, a kids movie or is is rated as such. Yeah. But everyone like kind of jumped and laughed, and I remember looking behind me and there's a kid, not a little girl, not even two years old, who's just like standing on her daddy's uh, lap in the cinema, like <laughs> laughing at Samuel L. Jackson's severed arm. Yeah. And I thought, Spielberg, you've done it again, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Treat but, for all the family. But that's the thing, like that arm hanging off, like hanging behind the pipe and it falls on, on Ellie's shoulder. Like, it's like a Sam Raimi thing. It's like this, <laughs> like this big plastic looking horrendous arm. It's like a horror um, gag. Yeah. I like the idea that a velociraptor like eats Samuel L. Jackson and then he leaves the arm and he's like, I'm going to put it over there. <laughs> I'll hide it. Somebody, yeah, yeah. Like he's Michael Myers and he's just like, he's just waiting. He's like, I'm fucking waiting. Here she comes. Here she comes. Here she comes. Shut up. And then he jumps and goes, ah, and then she, <laughs> it lands on his arm and he's like, ah, fucking scared the shit out of you, man. I knew you'd, I knew you'd end up in this shed, Ali, because uh, I'm a velociraptor and I know instinctively that humans love electricity and turning electricity back on. So I camped out here to wait for you. They're, oh, they're smart. They're very, very smart. Yeah, it's like yeah, he's like he hid the arm behind the pipe. It's like he was embarrassed <laughs> that he killed somebody. He's like, oh Jesus, I did it again. Oof. But I got rid of the leave it behind the cistern of the toilet. <laughs> yeah, there was that. There was a leg that was put uh, made as well. Um, it was meant to be a leg and an arm, and she they filmed her tripping over the leg, um, but then they cut that oh. and they only showed the arm piece, and that's why she's mm. limping out of the shed. I was wondering um. that. I was thinking that actually when I was watching it the other night. I was like, because yeah, she goes in. She's like, oh, Mister Arnold, and then she. She basically runs out of there. 
Yeah. And I was like, did she like, I don't remember her hurting her leg, but there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And as a kid watching it, that was through a bit of research. Um, as a kid watching it, I used to think she was limping because I know there's like a, there's a lamp that's connected to her yep. or a torch. So I thought she was dragging it and it's like, oh, that's why oh, she's yeah. limping. But, yeah. but then it's like, why would you, why would you limp just because you're dragging a bit of weight behind you? So yeah, that was the actual reason why. But yeah, to your point, when the, when the T-Rex came out in the paddock and that's the other thing just to kind of, because I, I didn't mention it as a kid, when they first, when they first showed the, the Brachiosaurus, like that whole scene when Sam Neill pulls up and is like, yeah. his, his hand shaking as he takes off the sunglasses looking up at the Brachiosaurus. Mm. genuinely got like butterflies in my stomach like you know it was it was just like it's a it's a feeling and watching it yesterday i watched it with dylan who's two and he like obviously didn't know what was going on but he just loved seeing the dinosaurs but seeing him getting so excited watching it gave me those feelings back again and it was the first time since it just brought me back to being in the cinema and i haven't felt like that um in in a long time it's actually made me look forward to seeing other films with him and showing him all these other movies that I liked as a kid. Do you think, um, like I remember being a kid, and uh, like the one thing that I got really excited about were special effects. Like I loved, um, those programs. There's there like a, a show called like movies, games and videos. I think. Oh yeah. Oh, behind the scenes. Yeah. Great show. Yeah. On Saturday. And they mm. would show you kind of a lot of special effects a lot of kind of Rob Bottin stuff and um, mm. Stan Winston, of course. Yeah. And like, those were the bits, like, that's why you, that's why as kids we watched a scene where six people discuss science for fucking 10 minutes because you looked yeah. forward to those little 30 second bits where you'd <laughs> see a massive robot of, of a dinosaur or something. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder with CGI being so easy to use and so prevalent, do kids get the same kind of buzz that we used to get from practical effects? I don't mm. think so. I think it's more, it's like an assumption that like you can almost do this in your phone. You know, you, 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 can, yeah. you, can, you can augment something um, using an app on your, on your iPhone now. So I think when you see like, because Jurassic Park is one of the last great films that did that combination of CGI, but with yeah. you know, actual animatronics. And there's just something real about seeing it. Like it, it is like even, and again, not to. I, I'll try not to talk about my, about Dylan for the whole uh, podcast. <laughs> but I've been watching this animated show called Camp Cretaceous, um, which is it's it's part of the Jurassic Park world. It's on Netflix, and he he, he really likes it, and you know he he watches, but he watches it the same way he watches Paw Patrol. But when he saw Jurassic Park, his eyes lit up, and it's like it's like as it as it. Two, two or three year old he's looking at it thinking and i do know my son's age i just i'm just averaging it for if anyone has you know three year olds <laughs> but he's he's looking at this dinosaur and this is a real dinosaur this is real mm. camp camp cretaceous that's a cartoon you know anything else i've showed him before that's a cartoon this mm. is real so i think there's there, there's a reality when you see the actual animatronics there so i think it was a smart move to shoot a lot of the dinosaurs in the rain mm. so like the, yeah. the t-rex is in the rain the dilophosaurus in the rain yeah because you're looking at um, you're looking at water, you're looking at rain hit a physical object. Yeah. We all know how rain uh, looks, how it dribbles, how it pools, yeah. how it behaves. Um, how we know how water behaves. Yeah. So when you have something natural hitting something um, practical, uh, it looks way more real than something that came out last year 
that's done as CGI. Mm. It just um, yeah. just looks better. And what I like, there's one scene, um, the mixing of the practical and the digital. It arrived at the perfect time where practical effects had were in their peak. Mm. Like the 1980s was such an amazing time for practical effects. You had stuff like um, The Thing or Aliens, American Werewolf in London. We were just doing Gremlins, you know. We were doing amazing things. Yeah. And it just arrived in the early 90s where we had all that knowledge and then this emerging CGI was coming out with Terminator 2. And it was the perfect balance of the two. Like there's one scene in particular where T-Rex has just broke out of the paddock and his head, he, he like he, he knows something's going on with these cars. He's like, I can <laughs> fucking smell lads here. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I my eyesight's shite. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he's just like sort of hanging around, smelling things. Yeah. And he's just um, absent-mindedly sort of bashing his jaw against Grant and Malcolm's car. Oh, yeah. And then the head goes up, and then it goes over to Tim and Lex with the light. So the head at the start of the uh, shot is not, is practical that's a robot head hitting against the car the head goes out of frame and it's replaced with a, a digital t-rex and you cannot tell the difference yeah whereas the guys the young lads nowadays hate to bring it up lads if there's any producers from jurassic world listening to this you're gonna get burnt um <laughs> yeah th- these guys these guys nowadays do you know what trev they don't have respect for the technology because they didn't earn it. They stood on the shoulders of giants, yeah. on geniuses. And uh, before they knew what they had, you know, yeah. they, they bought it, uh, slapped it on a lunchbox, and, uh, and, now and now they're selling it. And now they're selling it. <laughs> yeah. Before they even knew what they had, they had it. That's not the, yeah. that's yeah. not the phrase, but they... <laughs> that, 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 is, yeah. that is the irony of, of Jurassic World. And I, I mean, it, it's yeah. also kind of like... You know, once the genie is out, is out of the bottle, and because you've you've had, um, like you mentioned, Terminator Two there, Kev, and Terminator Two and Jurassic Park came out, you know, very very close to each other, yeah, and they both represent um, CGI, but in slightly different ways. Whereas Terminator Two was what what's some shit that can't be done that we can show people that's completely unbelievable. Whereas Jurassic Park is kind of the same, but it's also dinosaurs were real and mm. dinosaurs were real animals. So it's making something unbelievable, but something that actually existed in time. And then yeah. once and then once you've seen the dinosaurs in the first movie, you can't really, you know, it's all kind of downhill from there. And then by the time you get to Jurassic World, you're seeing dinosaurs everywhere. Like we... Like I was saying, um, the the opening scene, the first time you see a, a dinosaur in the movie is at like 20 minutes in, which is exactly the same as Back to the Future. Remember we were talking about this in the Back to the Future part? Yeah. The whole, the whole movie set up and then you get, you see the time machine at 20 minutes. Jurassic yeah. Park, you see the dinosaur at 20 minutes. Yeah. Perfect setup, 20 minutes. Always a good sign of a good movie. But the way they shoot that big dinosaur, you, you're you're more into dinosaurs than I am. The big Dilop, Dilopidaurus, or is that what it's called? The, Brachiosaur? Brach- the Brachiosaurus. Brachiosaurus. Yeah. And uh, Alan Grant takes his hat off, and then he comes in his pants and collapses. And <laughs> but but you see that dinosaur in wide. It never like if if that was shot today, if that was made today, there'd be a wide shot of it, and then there'd be a close up of it 
munching on the 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 grass with CGI saliva and everything, and Alan Grant to be yeah, saying, yeah. "I I don't believe it. It's CGI, you know." It, <laughs> and it'll be shot from an impossible angle that a cameraman could never reach. Yeah. Whereas you look at the Brachiosaur, the first dinosaur you see, it's shot so low, you're yeah. basically looking up Alan yeah. Grant's arsehole yeah. uh, because it's like a cameraman who wants to get a shot of an animal. Like Peter Jackson said something to the crew of uh, Lord of the Rings. He said, we're not making a fantasy movie. We're making, I don't know if you say like a historical documentary. Yeah, yeah. Th- these yeah. things happened says, and we're in the locations these, a, a, where they happened. document of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're making a, like he, he said, I want you to treat this like we're making Braveheart here. But yeah. All of this, this Tolkien book, this is our history book. And Spielberg did something simpler, uh, similar. He said, these are not monsters. Uh, these are animals. I want them to look like animals, behave like animals. And that's where the new movies fall so flat uh, the the first movie they behave first and second movie they behave like animals what they're wild animals T Rex attacking uh, Raptor at the end whereas Jurassic World uh, they've got these like all right we got this new dinosaur He's, we took all the <laughs> bad DNA from a Raptor and a bad DNA for a T Rex and we put the brain of a rapist inside his skull and we're gonna call him the Rapisaurus. Uh, he's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's murdering yeah, yeah. T- at 12 o'clock yeah. every day. He's going to disembowel 14 cattle. It's a disgusting show. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, but he's got the looks of Robert Redford and the voice of Barbara Streisand. <laughs> yeah. It's a really unnerving lose. dinosaur. The kids are going to love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the kids are going to uh, love it. So yeah. it, it treats them like dinosaurs. Like the scenes were like that raptor saurus whatever his name is he's like creeping yeah. into a bed like a creepy old rapey yeah, guy yeah. He's, yeah. He reminds, he's, he's, it reminded me of the grinch that that scene with the with yeah, his arm yeah. Yeah. you're a bad one mr indominus rex yeah it's fucking and, <laughs> and the end or the end of jurassic world not fallen kingdom they're like uh they're trying to they're like how are we gonna beat this bastard of a dinosaur who just keeps killing everything he has no respect yeah. for Anton. <laughs> And uh, she was like, "I know just a lad to call." Yeah, and yeah, she heads yeah. down. She heads down to the gate, and uh, she opens it up, and like T Rex is there, like smoking a cigar. Yeah. And he's like, uh, "What took you so long?" And she's like, "Ah, you son of a bitch! Come on, we got a job for you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he heads okay. Out, he heads, <laughs> I'm getting too old for this shit. And uh, yeah. the T Rex fights the fucking bad bastard, and then the raptor joins in. Yeah, and they beat him. And the T-Rex like looks over to the raptor and he's like basically gives him like a thumbs up like, uh, you know, me and you didn't know it was good on, but yeah. you had me back there. Fair play to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like you think at the end of Jurassic Park, the T-Rex doesn't save the humans out of the goodness of his large heart. Yeah. He's just like, what's going on in here? Heads in. <laughs> yeah, food. I like dinosaurs. Like, I like to eat dinosaurs. They're little. If those, yeah. if the yeah. humans, if Alan Grant had a stood around to give him like a thumbs up at the end of it, like T-Rex, <laughs> yeah, fair play he saved our hole there. The T-Rex yeah. would have just ate him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's like they treat the old, in the new yeah. movies, there's two types of dinosaurs. There's the old favourites that we grew up with mm. on our lunchbox that we used to play with as little figures. They're like they've got like human qualities now. Yeah. Uh, and then there's uh, the the genetically modified horrible bastards who they're gonna fight at the end. So I don't know. It's no, but you're right though. Like it's the problem with the new movies is is the, exactly those two things. It's the fucking 
humanization of the old favorites and fan service. Yeah. It's fan service as well. It's like, yeah. oh, everyone loves the T Rex. Let's let let's make him a good guy. Um, okay, we've seen so much of the of the Raptors now. Let's make them good because we can't we we can't go down any more bad roads with them. But <laughs> you know, it, it, like we're in Jurassic Park one. Like there is that scene at the end where the T Rex comes in to save the day. But that was purely Spielberg just saying, you know what, this lad looks class. <laughs> like yeah. I want to I want to show him again because in the uh, in the original script Hammond came in with like a rocket launcher or like a bazooka or something <laughs> to, to, to shoot all the... the, the that lad the walks with a walking stick, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, his, his walking stick converts into a, into a bazooka. Get off my island, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in the shape of a mosquito in amber. I would have said something like, looks like you're about to be extinct. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, he was meant to kill all the raptors with a bazooka. Um, and then Spielberg. That's ridiculous. It was, it, it was ridiculous. But see, in- Trevor, I think you're wrong. Uh, I've seen. I think I'm I've, right. I've recently, <laughs> I've recently watched a making of. Yeah. And it showed, it showed um, drawings of. It showed the storyboards that the raptor would get would fall into the jaws of the T Rex skeleton mm-hmm. that's in the in the hallway. The skeleton falls and chomps him, so he's he's killed an by extinct his own an extinct old skeleton. Yeah, there's a, there was a there was a cup fucking Hammond with a bazooka would have been class. Yeah. Well, no, th- th- there was there was a draft with Hammond and bazooka because it was based on um, in the book. Um, Muldoon kills a raptor with a rocket launcher. Yes. Um, so they're basing it off that part of the book. But they, they brought Hammond in because Muldoon was already dead. Okay, we're, get, we're getting deep in Anorak stuff here. But uh, we're naturally talking about things we love. So we're, we're already in the Fourier consideration mm. stuff. And we've covered mm. some of those points. We're, we're in the zone now. Well, it's one, it's one uh, special effects Oscar, right? It, well, in the real Oscars, yeah. I think it won three um, Oscars and special effects was one of them. Yeah. But in the Oscars they host afterwards in the back alley, it swept <laughs> in the, the sin- boards. The, the Sinistream Oscars. <laughs> well, there's, there's unlimited categories here. We can make up our own categories. I have Grant as just one of the, the last great action-adventure leads before action-adventure leads had to have 20 packs muscles sticking out of their neck yeah yeah uh, you know he was just an old he, he he was pretty he was the last indiana jones type and, and i know like you, you've probably seen it like harrison ford w- was offered the role before yeah. grant and he turned, he turned it down uh, but yeah i think grant as a, as a great action adventure lead uh, mr dna i have as the best exposition tool in blockbuster history. <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's really like, definitely yeah yeah, yeah. How do you? How do I condense a book into a minute for everyone to understand? And they, yeah. they they nail it, and they've called it back obviously in some of the sequels in the Jurassic Worlds where they have Mister DNA floating around the place. And, and again, it's that's fan servicey. It, it, there's no real need for them in the sequels. Um, it's it's for all those big Mister DNA fans out there. <laughs> you blood. Yeah, yeah. Is he coming back? Yeah. Dinosaurs. We, we talked about the effects and how it was the merge between ILM and Stan Winston's crowd, um, you know, the, the CGI mm-hmm. with the animatronics. But those constraints, it's like, the, it's like the Jaws thing. It's like when you're limited to what you can do, you have to be more creative with the storytelling and you have to be more creative with the, with the shots and like the, like the Brachiosaurus mm. thing. And that's different, different, different kind of thing, but like the low camera angles. Um, but the, the, the T-Rex paddock shot, like... Every single mm. shot, it, like there's not a shot wasted in that. 
every like it's blocked out with to fucking to an inch of its life um the the tension that's built as the t-rex kind of like like jaws like he's like the, he's like the shark going around uh, like the boat it's like but it's a t-rex just going around two jeeps that whole scene is like um yeah. not hey i don't want to get too uh heidi tidy here but it's it's like ballet like it's 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 like a perfectly blocked out scene i i like how he, he like how he introduced um the ripple effect the vibration yeah. effect which like I don't know, for people, I suppose, younger than us, you can't describe how much of a cultural moment that was. Like, that was that was up there with the Jaws. Because it let you know that the beast was coming yeah. and it was a way to build yeah. up tension. It's only used, I think, twice in the film. It's, it's, yeah. But that became such an iconic bit yeah. that it was just parodied. I was, trying to, I was trying to think about all the ways Jurassic Park was parodied. Yeah. Uh, I know Weird Al Yankovic did a, a Jurassic Park song. Yeah, that's the one about uh, uh, MacArthur Park. It's like somebody left a fucking cake out in the rain <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's something like that. It's really dumb, but he somehow gets away with it. And it was in like Spy Hard yeah. for no reason. Wayne's World, Wayne's Wayne's World, World too. Raptors, Wayne's World yeah, did it. Yeah. yeah, Simpsons, so many shows. Yeah, like for three years, people did Jurassic Park parodies and movies yeah, and, yeah, and the and the water vibrating was a big was a big part of the party yeah it was a, yeah like we used to do it in school like we'd we'd bang our table and just be like here liam hi liam it's a fucking dinosaur <laughs> in the way, man. yeah yeah hope that electric fence is on yeah well it's yeah, kind it's exactly. kind of it's kind of like um the 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 opening of the movie is almost like jaws in the sense that there is uh a monster you know Mm. It's got that lovely shot at the beginning where you think it's like a big dinosaur coming through the woods and it's just a big crate. But then in the yeah. in the crate you mm. just you hear the noise, you know it's it's dangerous and they've got that big weird there's something with the, the, the set design in this movie where like all of this a lot of the sets look like sort of Inca or Mayan temples. They've got this kind yeah. of yeah. Uh, almost like uh, and kind of like Blade Runnery weird kind of future cityscapes or something. It's a it's a weird kind of. Um, I, I mean, I like it, but um, yeah, the 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 opening is is kind of like Jaws because it's got you know yeah. you know Jaws is that you don't you don't see it but you know it's there because of the the music or whatever, and the music at the beginning we talk about Johnny Williams. Oh yeah, but at the beginning of it, it's got this. Dong, dong, dong. It's like the 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 echoey kind of like and this drum beat, but also this dun 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 this kind of John Carpenter esque kind of weird baseline horror movie, which I've never heard John Williams kind of doing before. But it does have yeah, and and like like you're saying, Kev, like the 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 ripple effect became that thing, and it kind of reminded me a little bit. And this movie does. If if you want to compare it or say you know what what is this movie like? Is it like any other kind of movie? Uh, it kind of reminds me of Aliens in the sense that there's a really big kind of build up, and I think when they get to the first alien appearing, it's probably like a half an hour into the movie or something at that stage. But in Aliens, when they have those uh, sensor things on their you know. That can tell when uh, when the aliens are close. And it's like, dude, dude, you know, T- ten meters, five meters. That's inside yeah, the room. Yeah. You know that that uh, we need a tension builder, and they just kind of automatically have it in their hands. You know, 
Yeah. Of course, the big film it's like is Michael Crichton's other earlier work, Cowboy yeah. Town. Yes. <laughs> uh, the West Robert World. Gunslinger. Very similar. Yeah. Uh, a very similar story. They make a theme park using technology they don't fully understand. That technology turns around to them and bites them in the hole. Yeah. And of course, Jaws is obviously yeah. Uh, yeah. quite similar to yeah. Spielberg's shark film. Shark film. It's, Jaws and, meets Westworld. And the other thing I had, Kev, um, and you probably had this as well because you were talking about it a bit, is just I have, I've written down here the wide, low angle shots that are really effective. So whether it's I've, the Brachiosaurus scene, which you talked about, the scene where Ellie is running to the control shed, um, that mm. suspense where she's running mm. away from the, the potential raptor attack, that's a, a lot of low, wide-angle shots there as well. Yeah, like it's a really simple trick that uh, it's quite effective when you're shooting something that's big. Yeah. Like you look at the best kind of Godzilla or, um, you know, giant robot fighting across a city movies. Uh, the ones that are really effective are the ones that look like they're shot from the ground. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Like, like you're you're a, you're a man on the it's ground, your perspective. or a woman yeah, yeah. with the camera, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're you're shooting you're shooting two gigantic lizards fight each other. Yeah. Uh, when you shoot it from their POV, it just looks like men in a suit, and it's it's I, I don't know, it's it's an effective trick that surprising when directors make a mistake of um, you know shooting dinosaurs or lizards or godzilla or m- massive robots yeah. from their point of view like it's some sort of flying cameraman and, the, and there's definitely yeah. there's definitely something with jurassic park in the in the sense that everything is shot as it would have been shot if it was a real thing you know there's no there's mm. no crazy mad camera angles they don't use cgi yeah to get to a point where a cameraman wouldn't be positioned or you know, it's like that, you mm. know, when they have that shit where they're like, they could have had a shot where the camera goes down and goes through the, the back window of one of the cars and swings up to the Tyrannosaurus Rex and he like screams yeah. and then it goes, you know, one of these kind of, you know, like Spielberg does good oners, but he, he doesn't do those kind of. Yeah, like a David Fincher panic room yeah, runner where yeah. it's going going through walls and stuff. And, and, it's that, like, and oh, that's geez. fine in, yeah. in, a, in a fight club or a panic room, yeah. And But yeah. for something like this, yeah, you, you need that kind of reality. Like it's almost like they're on the ground shooting these animals for real in the fucking jungle. And it, it, it goes back to Kevin's point of the, the Lord of the Rings thing. Like if you're, it's already fantastical and crazy what, you're, what the subject matter is. So if you film it in a real way, then like... It's believable. It's believable. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And was anyone else really confused up to this point? Who the fuck is Richard Kiley? Like you know the bear where uh, yeah, yeah. Hammond Hammond the voice like hearing is Richard Kiley. We've spared no expense. Yeah. 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 I'd, I'd be like, I'd, who the fuck? He was in the book, wasn't he? Uh, he he did the riverboat cruise. Uh, he was referenced in the book as the narrator of the of the river cruise. Uh, so they want. Do to- you know who he is? Of your. Your research done there? He, no, all I know is that he was a famous actor and he did a lot of voiceover work in the seventies and eighties. I would have got, I would have got David Attenborough. Well, do you know who they had originally? <laughs> yeah. They wanted, uh, they had, they wanted uh, James Earl Jones. Oh, um, oh yeah, they were, be good. they were going to get him to do it, and then for whatever reason, they changed to just being kind of, you know, go with the book and have uh, that that uh, Kylie guy. And then they already had James Earl Jones kind of contacted and his agents, they're already talking to him. So as a kind of a, what's the word, kind of a I'm sorry present, 
they paid mm-hmm. him to do the making of that was on all the special features of the videos. Mm-hmm. And that's why James Earl Jones... I watched that. Yeah. And that's why... Because it's, like, it's, it's, it's a big name to have on the, in the special feature section of a DVD. It's like, a, I'm James Earl Jones talking about how they made Joseph Park. But <laughs> yeah. that was... Uh, that, they were already paying him, so they said they'd get him to do something. The other thing I have... I just have... Well, there's a lot here. I've got like, fucking Nedry as best villain. Um, and I just have... Just in general terms, like a director perspective like probably the best one-two punch in Hollywood history you know Jurassic Park Schindler's List um, make him laugh make make him cry (laughs) definitely Trev in terms of like two completely diametrically opposed films that are both equally brilliant that's an amazing achievement to go from like one of the greatest Holocaust movies ever to one of the greatest action adventure movies ever who else can say yeah. that? Do you have anything else for your consideration that you want to talk before we move on to cutting room floor? Um, uh, yeah, uh, just yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Doctor Ian Malcolm. I think this is yeah. probably it's it's. I, I I wouldn't say it's like peak Jeff Goldblum because I think Jeff Goldblum is just kind of you know leaned into his uh, kind of weird nature. And kind of he's very, you know, sort of makes these weird noises and he's very, you know, he's very tactile and he kind of, you know, yeah. he likes to touch and feel uh, and whatever. Uh, uh, yeah. And, uh, and weird. Mm, mm, and he has, uh, he has mm, like, mm. he has a little bit of this in Jurassic Park, but it's not too much. He's just at that peak. He mainstreamed it. Yeah. Yeah. Point. He, he, he yeah. looks, he looks great and he's a little bit weird and it works for the character. And, you know, as it, as it went on, it kind of became a little bit sort of mannered and whatever. Yeah. But it. I would say it's the birth of Jeff Goldblum as yeah, we know him. Exactly, the, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In the mainstream as this persona. Because he's, he's very yeah. different. Oh, th- he's very different to any other actor. Yeah. Like in this movie, he's very odd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he delivers lines in a really strange way. To the point where like, I want to look at the script to see how they were written. Yeah, yeah. Like there's, line, there's lines where he'll, he'll just sort of end a sentence halfway through and then just go, ah, well, uh, you know. You know. Well, there it is. Yeah, and and it's it's odd as fuck yeah. because like was that written into the script? He goes and so uh, uh, anyway, sure you know yourself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like nobody else. I I just want. I wonder how anyone else reading his lines would read yeah. them. It's, no, but the, I remember, and it wasn't for this podcast, but I remember just when I was nerding out on Jurassic Park years ago. I remember seeing. Uh, or reading an interview with Spielberg about why he cast Jeff Goldblum. And he, he was one of his top choices, but it was because he was such a naturalistic actor because he wanted to, because, be, because this, this guy's a mathematician, he's a chaos theorist. He wanted all these complicated things that he was saying to come out very naturally. And like, he was like taking those pauses, mm. pausing for, but you know, and he saw Jeff Goldblum as the best conduit for pulling that information from the book mm. onto the screen, because it's just, anything anyone else like if if sam neil was playing dr uh ian malcolm it would have sounded like a lecture anything he was saying mm. you know what i mean like when you when yeah. he's talking about the whole life finds a way speech yeah it's a good it's a good call um the the scene that i um mentioned earlier where he said you're standing on the shoulders of geniuses or whatever yeah. and now you know now you're yeah. selling it and he starts battering the yeah. table like that's another one there that I I want to find out how it was written and how yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. I want to find out basically how much of his dialogue was improvised because, as you said, it was incredibly natural. Yeah, he's a he's a, a mathematician. 
he's kind of obviously thinks in a thinks about the world in a very strange way mm. but also is a kind of a, a rock star kind of dude yeah he wears like sunglasses and his delivery of the lines is perfect because he's a bit odd he's an odd yeah, kind I guess of dude he kind yeah. of played a version of or a, you know like a, a kind of a mad scientist or eccentric scientist in the fly he kind of has that sort of energy to him where he's like he's you know so smart and his brain is kind of going a mile a minute and so when he's talking, it kind of comes out in this weird kind of, uh, ah, yeah. And he was like, as a kid, um, kind of quoting the film, like growing up, I do remember like, Jesus, as a, a 10 year old, 11, like primary school, I remember being in primary school and we'd all be doing like Goldblum impressions or E. Malcolm impressions, <laughs> in, you know. No way. Oh yeah. We'd be doing the whole like, um, excuse me, uh, 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 there's going to be uh, dino dinosaurs on this dinosaur. Like that was the one line that we would say over yeah. and over again, trying to perfect the pauses, how he said it. Yeah. He's a really quotable character. It, like him, him and Nedry have the best um, lines in the movie. I think Nedry, let's talk about Wayne Knight. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne Knight's portrayal of this is so perfect. Uh, right from when you first meet him, when uh, Dodgson, Dodgson, who I hear is a bit of a dodgy boy himself. <laughs> Yeah, the actor uh, is. Yeah. <laughs> Dodson arrives, <laughs> yeah. and um, he goes, uh, "Dodson, we got, we got Dodson here. here." Nobody cares. Like, he does this. In, he does this in a very funny New York Seinfeldy yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I can't. I, I can just imagine another actor not getting that and butchering it. Yeah, and it's not funny. Yeah, and yeah, and, but, uh, and, yeah. He's so good, especially the bit where. The bit where he let's just talk about all the characters. Yeah. Uh, the bit where he's 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 about to execute his master plan. Yeah. And he's about to um, you know destroy the or rob the company, and he just he he says oh, I'm just gonna head over to the uh, vending machine yeah. there and get a packet of Snickers or a, um, a, 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 a soup or something. Anyone else? Uh, just anyone else want it at all? Like he just delivers it in a really funny, guilty way. Uh, it's so it's so funny yeah 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 and even when he's talking to Hammond and Hammond, <laughs> Hammond gives him the inspirational speech on like what he needs to do with his life and he's like thanks dad it's like such a fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah. what a prick what a prick the one thing about Nedry uh, was the scene with Dachshund when he's uh he gets the uh, the Barbosa or the fuck the shaving cream, whatever that brand is called. Yes. Um, what's it called? Barbasol. Barbasol. Um, and he just puts it on top of the cake. And as a kid, I didn't know what Barbasol was. So I'm like, is that me too cream or is it shaving foam? Yeah, I thought it was cream. I thought it was yeah. like me too. I was, in, I, was in, I was the same. Which makes it so much funnier, though, the fact that he just puts it's like so shaving much funnier cream you realize... on top of the yeah, yeah, it just it shows you how much of his character. This guy's an absolute dickhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got, someone, <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to eat that thinking it's cream. Uh, but you know Wayne Knight has has the this weird um like he he was in Dirty yeah. Dancing in 1987 he'd been in a few things and he has this kind of reoccurring role in or not reoccurring he has this small role in Dirty Dancing where he's like mm-hmm. working on the camp and he's doing the announcing and when they do the 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 talent show at the end he's like telling bad jokes and being kind yeah. of annoying hmm. and when they were casting for um, uh, Newman in Seinfeld yeah. someone showed I think Jerry or showed the casting directors that, that movie and I was like oh yeah he'd be good he'd be good as the annoying uh, postman and then he got mm-hmm. like he was in JFK he was in 
basic instinct he was in jurassic park he had some great he had a great, movies he had a really great run in the kind of early to mid 90s mm. and spielberg went to see basic instinct just as a just punter. for the, just for that scene <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 no but when he went to see why, why aren't you wearing your trousers Stephen? <laughs> oh, but it's very warm tonight <laughs> air conditioning is broken in the cinema <laughs> Because it's funny, he, after Basic Instinct, the story goes, he sat in the cinema and waited for the credits to roll because he wanted to get Wayne Knight's name. But maybe he just couldn't stand up out of his chair. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it was, now that you say it. It's like that. It's probably just toweling off. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay, cutting room floor. What scene, actor, theme didn't work with Jurassic Park? There's not a lot from my end, but the one thing that I... Not a lot from my end, guys. But the one thing that I... I just realised my voice went up an octave there. Uh, the one thing that I actually had premeditatively written down before I even watched it, um, and it turned out then that it definitely was something to cut, and I have a reason for it, is the ice cream eating scene um, where Hammond... The power is out... The ice cream is melting and he's talking about the, the fleas, mummy. Look, I can see the fleas. And he's talking about this whole Pretty backstory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't really move the story along in any way. It's a bit of a boring scene. And when I was rewatching it, and I mentioned this to you on WhatsApp when we were talking during the week, not to keep talking about Dylan on this podcast, but he, my two, year, two and a half year old uh, was 100% captivated to the, like the whole way through the movie, even through the science, the sciencey jargony conversations, just there was always something happening on the screen that captivated mm. him. This scene came on; he just stood up off the couch, started walking around the room, playing the train set. Um, not that, not that all wait, my movies wait, are. Wait, so Trev, you're saying that a two-year-old wasn't interested in watching an old <laughs> Scottish man eat ice cream? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, that's all I have on video for for uh, my two-year-old son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah old man uh, eating ice cream volume four that comes yeah. up recommended under ed's Pornhub account <laughs> uh, yeah. guilty as charged trevor i would disagree with you okay i would disagree i take your point yeah i it's disagree a very, uh, it's a very visually boring scene and sure you can cut that scene out but it is more valuable than Grant and Tim running away from a car moving at a weird pace down a tree. Uh, well, the the scene with Hammond eating ice cream, you just get a sense of this man is not well in the head. Uh, you can tell he's. <laughs> you can tell, yeah, yeah. You can tell by that scene that all right, he's, he's had a he'd a, he's had a struggle uh, in his life. He yeah. he's 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 not a scientist. He's um he's a ringmaster. Yeah. He's a ringmaster of a circus, and he, he he had this pathetic flea circus with his Scottish brogue. He probably just off the boat. And he's like, yeah. "Hey, go and see my flea circus!" <laughs> and all these New Yorkers are like, "Get away from a Scottish man!" And yeah. he had years of struggle before he made his money, and finally, he he is a thing that people want to see. He's dinosaurs, yeah. and it he can't control them, and well, it's how tragic. Does the, how does the CEO of InGen? have a backstory of having a flea circus it's like saying like steve jo- like steve jobs started in a shed but he was putting circuit boards together and he was building things here man bill cullen was selling fucking apples and more street <laughs> before yeah yeah he moved up he's to not, cars he, 
Yeah, but he was selling he's not, something. He's not, a trust, you know? he's not a trust fund baby. He was selling an illusion Trevor. Is, was what he was talking about. And yeah, the illusion, exactly. It's perfect. The, I, the I, illusion I, that he's selling now is that he can control nature and he can control... You were never in control, Ed. That's the illusion. Exactly. But see, for me, like you have to have that scene because Ellie is the audience at that point screaming at him going, you've lost Eat your mind. Eat up that ice cream you're... quick. Yeah, <laughs> you've lost yeah. your mind. You can't eat all this ice cream in one sitting. You'll get really, really sick. Yeah. But th- them- thematically, it is a, a vital scene, I think. I, I, I don't think you could really cut that. You could definitely cut other stuff. Yeah, like the, 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 the scene with the, with the car and the tree is like, uh, it's a kind of an action scene, I guess. It's a little bit exciting. But at the same time, I'd rather like, oh, can we not just have a scene with fucking dinosaurs in this dinosaur movie? It's kind of like it's like Spielberg saying, like, are you afraid of dinosaurs? Well, you should also be afraid of cars in trees. So it's like (laughs) it's it's an utterly pointless scene. So that's a scene I would cut without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I think it's a nice romp, you know, an L an L reverse is a romp. <laughs> it's just a nice chase. It's a nice little sequence, you know. And um, but it, it doesn't like, it doesn't move the story just, forward. And no. they also did that gag much better in the inferior sequel when they're in the big kind of thing hanging off the side of the waterfall. Yeah, when they're in the yeah, minibus. The minibus. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> the, the minibus. That setup. That, that whole set piece is great. Yeah, and I actually like that set piece in the sequel. I think it's fucking brilliant. It's Ed, good in the sequel. Cost? Because there's yeah. dinosaurs attacking them, but in this one, it's a fucking car in a tree. And yeah. to be honest, Trevor, it's very obvious that it's attached to a cable because it doesn't fall like any object oh, that has ever fallen it's, it's in a, the history it's, of gravity. It's a very much a vertical descent. A vertical yeah, it's, drop. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like Elon Musk doing. would be getting onto them saying, how did you get that to go down so straight? <laughs> <laughs> I think the, um, the Mr. DNA... Uh, your blood scene I think what like watching that again when because when you watch it the first time it's kind of yeah it's a very clever way to get exposition out mm. uh, in a quick and interesting way and it, it like it makes sense and it's clever because it's like this is what the visitors to Jurassic Park will see and yeah. you get you get that shot of them sitting looking at a screen of mm. Jurassic Park in the movie Jurassic Park so it's got that kind of folded in thing. But at the same time, I think it's one of those things that it just felt very long. And I remember when I saw it in the cinema, like um, like when you suddenly see an animated cartoon segment in a movie, like in, like in Kill Bill, when it just becomes a manga mm. movie and yeah. it's projected. And you're like, oh, this is cool. This is kind of interesting. But then when you're, when you're watching it, you know, at home or whatever, it's just like, oh, here's this like animated bit. One major plot hole, which a lot of people have pointed out before, is that why the hell is John Hammond, the CEO of Ingen, uh, hosting that tour? And like, they've videoed a seg- segment where he's like, I'm just going to need a drop of your blood. So, is the plan there, if Jurassic Park gets picked up and running, that John Hamm. This seventy-five-year-old man with a walking stick is going to run this yeah. specific tour <laughs> every, every tour. day, yeah, yeah. several times a day, maybe, yeah. maybe twenty times a day. Yeah, that he's or, doing a job 
that a spotty teenager should be doing. He's, yeah. he's yeah. like, he's, oh, okay, here we go. He, yeah. You're all well, very welcome to Jurassic Park and yeah, Team yeah. Ride. <laughs> yeah. uh, my well, name's do, Liam. Do it with a Scottish accent, Liam. Or you're yeah, fired. Yeah. 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 Like he's, it makes he, no sense. He's spared no, no sense expense that he's doing that. Except for getting hiring a bunch of lookalikes to do those tours every day. That's the only expense that he spared. Yeah. Plus, I would have liked to have seen, you know, when John Ham, John Ham, John Hammond starts cloning himself. I would have liked that instead of appearing in a like a black suit, he just appears totally naked, covered in pink goo. It's like, hello there, John. Uh, hello there, John. Hello there, John. Hello there, John. <laughs> just naked as the day he was cloned. <laughs> that is something that, as a, even as a kid watching it, rewatching it on VHS. Uh, that that was a call that I'd made watching it as a kid. I, I that used to confuse me. I used to think, yeah, yeah. So he has to he has to do twenty tours a day. Is is he not busy trying to like you know clone dinosaurs and make animals and yeah, run the company, run the company in general and expand and expand to Europe? Because when you in the in the dinner scene when they're all having lunch and they they all get served that um, chili and sea bass that nobody eats. Um, which, which didn't look that bad delicious yeah, I, pretty good delicious. i remember uh, every time i saw that i was like laura Dern, you were a picky eater that chili yeah. and sea bass from alejandro looks delicious yeah and i think it. there was there was a scene where they cut to the kitchen and alejandro is in tears because no one's eating his delicious meal. <laughs> yeah. but in that in that scene in the slideshow in the background i always used to notice that uh, they had this like diagram behind um hammond where it was like how popular things are, and it's like sports is like a, a small bar. <laughs> dinosaurs is bigger than sports. Yeah, dinosaurs is bigger than sports. Yeah, I remember like in a cafe on a Sunday morning, someone had to say, "Here, throw us over the dinosaur section of that newspaper." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then the but in that slideshow, they had um, plans to move Jurassic Park or expand it to Europe, yeah. um, which I used to always fantasize about as a kid, like in this real world that like. Jesus, there could be like a dinosaur Disneyland in, in yeah. France that I could get a flight to in a couple of years. That'd be amazing. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I have for the cutting room floor. I think you guys are the same. Not a lot there. Um, and the ice cream scene, I'm indifferent yeah. to. I just, if, if I'm nitpicking, um, that's what I would pull out of it. But look, it's fine. It's, um, a, it's a very well-structured movie that flows very nicely. So that, yeah, I mean, there's, there's not a lot you can or should take out of it. Yeah. And it's, and I know I talked about like you know because of the constraints of like you know the animatronics that they had, they had to block everything out uh, like to with fucking as I said to to an inch of its life. But even mm. when I was doing some of the research, I, I saw some of the behind the scenes stuff, and even the scene where Spielberg was directing you know Grant and Tim and Lex um, to walk out of the visitor center and have the conversation where Tim is talking to Grant about his book, and there's that funny exchange where. Alan Grant opens the, the door of the car and Tim hops in as he's talking to him and Grant shuts the door on his face and walks into the other car. That whole thing, like mm. Spielberg was like, you know, guiding them through that whole sequence. And he, he's such like a, like a, like a really pleasant micromanager, like every single step, every like where his hand was on the car. And I know this is what these kind of auteurs do. Like they, they really micromanage every aspect of every scene, but to, to like at one point Grant had his hand on the Jeep when he was talking to Tim and I just saw Spielberg taking Grant's hand and moving it like a centimeter up. <laughs> just like, just like, like you can really feel Spielberg's hands. He's a, what's the word? The analogy, the metaphor. He's a puppeteer throughout the whole film. Like, you know. I imagine it's because he shoots a lot of, he, he shoots long one or takes, you know. 
where um, blocking is obviously very essential. Mm. Uh, but he's a master of, I think you said this earlier, Trev, he's a master of just human relationships. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, he really, really improved on the novel. As good as the novel is, it's a little bit cold. But um, like the, the idea that Grant hates kids is totally... Um, it's 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 in the movie. It's not in the novel. Grant really loves kids in the novel. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah. in in this one, he like the opening one of the second scene is Grant just like scaring the piss out of some little tubby bollocks who doesn't yeah. respect dinosaurs. And it's like, yeah, what yeah. is his motivation? He's yeah. just like, ah, oh, man, I really let that kid have it there today. Well, what, what did he do? Oh, he, he didn't respect dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Ellie is there like, just going, oh, here we go again. Here we go, yeah, yeah, traumatizing kids whereas, like he always does like, every the idea, The idea of a paleontologist who hates kids, it's so funny because he's like a paleontologist. He loves dinosaurs. Kids love dinosaurs. He hates kids. Yeah. It's like he was if he was like an expert in candy. And he's like, oh, man, I'm fucking sick of these cunting kids coming around here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ask, yeah. Asking me questions about sweets. I just want to make me sweets and get on with it. <laughs> yeah. I just want but to study it's a, it's a lovely, sweets. <laughs> it's a lovely character arc of a man who hates kids, yeah. is annoyed by kids, then some saves some kids, uh, and then grows to like joke around with them and be quite fatherly when it's clear that their father isn't really in the picture anymore. Yeah. And by the end of the movie, he's got them around his arm, and he's a changed man. It's beautiful stuff. Spielberg, you've done it again. Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> we keep doing that like he's going to be listening to this episode? Yeah, yeah. That, Stephen, that, we'd love to have you on the show. That sequence with the kid in, the, in, in one of the opening scenes where he's, you know, the kid goes, that doesn't look very, that doesn't look very scary. It's more like a six foot turkey or whatever, wherever he says. But that whole monologue that that grant does where he's like try to imagine yourself in the cretaceous period you get your first look at this six foot turkey and you don't move because you think his vision is based on movement like t-rex that whole monologue i memorized word for word off mm. I, like as soon as i got the video i used to pause and play and pause and play and i wrote down that whole monologue and learned it off and i used to just like, say it to myself <laughs> but it's a great it's a great scene because it shows you who the character is yeah and it also sets up okay this is what we're going to deal with in the last reel of the film this, yeah. is the, this is our, our exactly. enemy here. This yeah. is our, our villain. Another thing another thing that really annoyed me, uh, the raptor fossil that they're digging up in that scene, there has never been a, a, a complete fossil like that mm. in the history of paleontology. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like the fucking raptor like tripped and fell sideways onto a load of fresh cement. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just and he yeah. just got covered over. His passport was still in the skeleton's pocket. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. Trev, I think yeah. I've told you this before. When I was like twelve, I wanted to be a paleontologist because of Jurassic Park. Yeah. So I looked up where in Ireland can you study paleontology? Queen's University uh, is the only place. Yeah. So I wrote a letter <laughs> to yeah. some lecturer at Queen's University. But I pretended to be like seventeen. I was like, uh, yes, so, hello. Like, I'm a, I don't know if you've I'm ever been a, a student, an uh, old. Uh, so I was a twelve-year-old pretending to be seventeen. So I was like thinking about studying paleontology, and like I, I discovered that he had written a couple of theses, uh, I think, and I said, yes, I've read your thesis on. Uh, you know, flightless birds and uh, paleontology, and I find it quite fascinating. And uh, yes, I'd like to study this paleontology in your university. Uh, I'm a massive fan of Jurassic Park, uh, 
Uh, <laughs> and I know yeah. up to 35 different dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> and he emailed, yeah. or he uh, he sent me a letter back and he gave me, he gave me like a lovely book, booklet on what they do. Yeah. And he talked to me, it was clear reading it because I've read the letter recently yeah. and it's obvious that he knows I'm a child. Yeah. <laughs> but he's You, you hand wrote it in 13... <laughs> Like thirteen year old handwriting, yeah. I wrote it on like Star Wars <laughs> ledger, yeah. Uh, and he wrote he wrote back to me, and he was very very nice. But he wrote back, and it was it's clear now that he knew I was a child, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he was he basically said like, "Hey there, buddy, uh, paleontology isn't just like digging up dinosaur bones. So you're not gonna be you're not gonna be doing that every day, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of really boring stuff about rocks and flowers." Yeah, and I was like, "Yes, well, I'll consider it." Oh, I must, I must go. My car has just come back from the car shop, and I have to drink beer. Bye. I'm an adult. <laughs> yeah, like there actually is like we're in like the golden age, another golden age of uh, paleontolo- paleontological uh, discoveries, or just you know dinosaur discoveries, should I say? And it's just this wave of people that are in their 30s and mid-30s or whatever that became paleontologists because of Jurassic Park. Um, so, no way. Yeah, yeah. So we're in that age right now because of Jurassic Park and all those kids that were inspired to go and pursue that kind of a career, which is kind of cool. The one thing, mm. that, just to call back that scene that you were talking about where Grant was talking to the kid, there is fan theory out there that that kid that Grant has been condescending to about the six-foot turkey raptor um, turned out to be Chris Pratt's character in Jurassic World, which is a lame fan theory. Um, but that... It is. It, it's very lame. We're naturally talking about plot hills as well here. So, um, Ed, anything from your side? There was something that I noticed, uh, which I'd never noticed before, because I, obviously I'm, I'm watching it to do a podcast and you're look, kind of looking in the margins and mm-hmm. looking around. Uh, when Samuel L. Jackson, who has an everlasting supply of cigarettes to smoke... Everyone's everyone's getting off the island. Everyone's getting to the boats at one point, and it's nighttime. And there's about there's one shot with about like six or seven workers in these kind of like khaki pants and t-shirts. And he basically is like, uh, "All right, so let's send everyone home. Everyone get to the boats." And I was just thinking, like, do they not need those people around? Even just for like, I know it the the park runs itself and. You just basically need like two guys to work the computers. But at the same time, it seems a little bit impractical for the workers to leave on a boat every night. And like, wouldn't you want to have them around? Like the dinosaurs don't all go to sleep like babies at nighttime. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're yeah. still wandering around. And if something goes wrong, you kind of you need, you know, safety in numbers. Can I counter that? Can I counter that? Yes. Um, the park is extremely automated to the point where basically Nedry, he says this, can run the whole park from a computer. All those workers are fucking, they're carpenters and painters and electricians. They're not uh, feeding animals. All that is automated. But but they're, they're, they've travelled to an island and then they have to leave at night. Can they not just have like, well, we have some, ca- like he spared no expense, but he has no facility for any of these people like a, dorm, like a dormitory like a dormitory for yeah, them yeah. to stay like it's a it's midnight and it's like all right off to the coast so you can get the midnight boat yeah but like if 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 you were if you were painting a pub in the aran islands you wouldn't be uh you'd be staying overnight 
<laughs> you probably would. There's lots yeah. of, lots of people work at the Aran Islands and they, yeah. they go back every day. It's it's a short journey. Okay, the, yeah, the, fair enough. The, another plot hole that I had was <laughs> so the answer to Nedry's big hack that he put on the park, you know, the white rabbit, the white rabbit was just basically the best thing Arnold could come up with was switching everything on and off. Yeah, y- yeah, yeah, like. It's like the, the, the IT crowd. <laughs> it's like the IT crowd. Yeah, it's like uh, like all this thinking. They were talking about the licensing contingency or the like. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like no, no, no. no let's, let's just switch everything off and switch it back on again. That would be fine. Uh, and that's that's the best thing that they could, the best solution. It works. Yeah, like it, it did work. Though. It always does work, though. You get an iPhone, you just do a hard reset. It's going to fucking reboot nine times out of ten. It did work. Yeah. The other thing was. When Hammond is talking to Grant and, and Sattler in the in, in the van or in their caravan at the start, and he he makes a comment saying, "Oh, I see my fifty thousand uh, dollars a year has been well spent." Like that's not a lot of money. Like he, he's he's donating money to a dig, like fifty grand a year. Like and I did an inflation calc. That's about ninety grand in today's money. It's still like he, like there's about. Like thirty people working on the site, and um, they've got loads of gear, loads well, of equipment. Some of them are some of them are volunteers. Yeah, and it's it's um, Trevor. That's not a bad amount of money. But uh, like, how about they got fucking shovels? Yeah. <laughs> they've got diggers. <laughs> they've got little like yeah, little brushes. Yeah, yeah little brushes. <laughs> yeah. But you've got shovels like, and brushes. There's, all a this, dust, man. there's a dust buster in the background. But you've like thirty people. Like you're going to like even if you're paying half of them, you're you're paying fifteen of them even. So uh, I feel like yeah. Kevin's the defender of all the plot holes. <laughs> there's only about six people there getting paid. Guarantee it, man. Yeah. Everyone else, everyone else looks like a bollock standing around. Yeah. Uh, and you apply to a university be, to, to be one of these people. <laughs> yeah. uh, the other thing, in that scene, Ellie says, it always annoyed me as a kid when they agree that they want to go to Jurassic Park. Ellie says, oh, uh, where's the plane? And it's like, no, it's a fucking helicopter. It's right there. You saw it on the way in. Why are you asking where the plane is? What a more what an idiot! Uh, uh, and then it's, a... <laughs> it's it's petty, but I, it annoyed yeah. me. And then the other thing that annoyed me as a kid watching it was when Grant is holding the baby raptor in the lab. Sorry, sorry, I, I correct myself. Before he even touches it, before he holds it, he looks at Hammond holding it and says, oh, "Its temperature looks like uh, high eighties. Like, how the fuck can he can he just look at an animal and know what temperature its body is? At? It it probably had one of those symbols that you have on top of Coors Light bottles. <laughs> yeah, if the, if the dinosaur is blue, it's cold blooded. Yeah, uh, one of my one of my main beefs with the film that I've had since I was a kid is uh, just the dinosaurs that they've chosen to reintroduce. Like, you know how impressed everyone is at the Brachiosaur at the start. Where like Hammond basically shits his togs and falls down, because uh, it's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. Yeah. And then you see the Triceratops. Ellie is crying. Yeah, there are yeah. tears coming down Laura Dern's face. Just a testament to show like how much of an amazing actor she is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like they're looking at this animal and they're crying. Like, just make sound dinosaurs. Just make like, <laughs> just yeah, get, yeah. I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna brachiosaur, I get a triceratops, even though like they can be a bit uh, angry, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Stegosaurus, we look at him from a distance. Uh, <laughs> get the lad who looks like Elvis with the big pompadour, he's sound. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just get, just get sound dinosaurs. Like, you're not gonna get people arriving up 
seeing that and saying like, "Oh, come on, where's, where's the, where's the, where's the, where's six the killers? Foot, where's the six <laughs> foot intelligent human killer?" That hunts but you don't go packs. to the zoo, and you don't <laughs> yeah. just go to the zoo and want to see like pheasants. Do you know what I mean? You want to see a lion. You can't, you can't compare a prehistoric extinct animal to a pheasant. Yeah, but it's a pheasant the is, the a, idea is a harmless of animal. A bra- the idea of seeing a brachiosaur would blow your mind to yeah, the point yeah. where you might get sick or go insane. Yeah, okay, but, a, but at the same time... An elephant versus a tiger. Which do you want to see in a zoo? Both. Yeah, Trevor, exactly. Trevor, my point the is that these, these are extinct animals. That itself is impressive enough. Ah, uh, no, you want to see it all. I'd feel yeah, cheated. But, if I went to Jurassic Kev, Park... And yeah. there wasn't any like, carnivores. I'd be like, "Fuck this!" I exactly. Want yeah. It's like, oh, so you yeah, just honestly, would you? Yeah. Would you? Would you, Trev? You'd say, "Fuck this! I'm going home. I'm not even going to bother seeing a creature that hasn't existed on this planet for uh, 65 million years." You may as well be looking at a dodo. I want to see a fucking T-Rex. Am I? Well, yeah. Fuck. Am I? Was well be looking at fungi? I'm going to go to the Kerry. Look at a fucking dolphin. Yeah. The, yeah, the yeah. way the way people are today, though, if you, if you did that, if you made Jurassic Park for real and just had all the herbivores, they'd be like, so you've just, all right, so these are the ones that are like cows. All right. But you don't have a T-Rex. I mean, they're pretty cool. Ah, yeah, but they're dangerous. Yeah. Would have been nice to see them, though. <laughs> you know, you yeah. just have people all right, complaining. All right. Here, here's how I would have a T-Rex. I would dig a massive hole in the ground that's roughly 20 feet deep. Uh, but it's very, very wide, and I just put the T Rex in there. He's not going to jump up. I want to put a, gla- have, a, glass, a glass roof on it that you walk on and look you, down. On, no. you honestly, yeah, you wouldn't even need a glass roof. Just look at him from the sides. Well, actually, actually have I, a get a football pitch and let's dig down about twenty five feet and put a T Rex in it. And let him walk around, eat a few cows. That that's <laughs> <laughs> you just you basically you don't you don't need to have these six foot tall intelligent man-eaters that run uh, as fast as a cheetah and are basically as smart as, uh, you know, somebody from Countdown. Oh, yeah. Why would why would you have the T-Rex as the second attraction? You know, when uh, they're on the tour. Well, you want to lube it up oh, the, before you yeah, go, I, go for I'd, the big one. I'd end... I'd end on T-Rex. Oh, sorry. Yeah, of course. Yeah, mm. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. It's like a Dilophosaur and now the greatest dinosaur ever to have lived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after that... Um, Triceratops. Know, Triceratops. And, and then uh, we're going to see chicken dinosaurs. Not yeah. the exciting kids. Yeah. <laughs> and then we end with some cucumber sandwiches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the thing about... The, the, just on plot holes before we go past it is... Um, and this is, this is the thing that's been memed to death probably, but in the paddock scene with the T-Rexes, like the T-Rex enters the... He enters the scene from just like he, he opens the or he breaks open the fence with his claws and he just mm. steps into the paddock. But then when all the shit goes down and the cars are being or the, the car is being thrown into the, the jungle and then Grant puts Lex on his back and he's climbing down the rope. It's like 50 foot drop. You, you, Trevor, Kevin, oh, this, yeah. Yeah. Trevor, this has bugged me for but like 15 years. Yeah. I yeah. could, I could, I, I thought that was a huge plot hole. You're totally right. The the mm. goat, yeah. is at eye level, yeah. and then the car falls down like twenty five, thirty feet, fifty feet. Yeah. Apparently, it it raises up. Apparently, I, there is a platform that goes from a huge drop, because mm. uh, he talks about and and the electrical fences and yeah. the concrete moats. Uh, apparently, that moat rises up, so uh, to accommodate the goat area. 
And that's where he stepped through. Yeah. Which is, I think... Mm. But it annoyed me for years. Which I think is a bit of a um, retrospective explanation to a plot hole. By, Fair by, enough. Yeah, but I also think, it's yeah. something you don't really notice that much because it's just such an awesome scene. I, I of, actually... I, it's one of those to, things where you're, you're, you're looking at the dinosaur and not thinking about the geography of where they are. I actually think I remember noticing that in the cinema. I know that's going to sound like a hot, like a bullshit take, but I actually think I remember... Or very very young, maybe um first or second watch on the on the video when I got it. Definitely, the, the, like as a kid, that bugged the shit out of me. But I know what you're saying. Here, here's another plot hole. How did they clone dead plants? Because because plants like to mosquitoes like to eat plants and then they land on the plant. Well, and fucking the, vegetarian and then, plants. <laughs> yeah, vegetarian and then, mosquitoes. And then the plant <laughs> gets covered in plant juice. <laughs> And then if you drill through the plant juice to the mosquito, you get the plant plant juice out of the mosquito. And that's how you make a plant. It's simple. <laughs> simple science. Yeah, they've got a little animated uh, film that explains it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's but they cut show. that out of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of plants, there, there, I remember um, in, the, in the ad for the movie, there's a... Yes. Ellie grabs a plant. And mm-hmm. uh, she's in the truck and she grabs the plant. But then in the movie, you're watching it and she's just holding the plant, talking about, oh, this shouldn't be here. And they don't. If you hadn't, if you didn't see the trailer, you wouldn't have seen that cut scene where she mm. actually takes the plant. So where the fuck did she get the? Where did they get the fucking hundred million year old plant? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a need. I suppose she's a botanist. They need to have her talk about something um, before she starts running around away from dinosaurs. <laughs> I don't know. Last thing, just in the T Rex scene again, like Lex turning the light on and shining it in the T Rex's face. What it's a moron! Not, what a moron. It's just stupid. It's not a plot hole, but it's just something that w- a real person wouldn't do, you know. I will say, Trev, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, Lex, uh, for people who haven't read the book, in the book, Lex is actually younger than Tim. Yeah. Um, Lex is an annoying asshole child yeah. with a baseball glove. And in it's the most one of the most annoying characters I've ever read in a book. Yeah. Whereas Lex in the movie is actually pretty good. Um, and she has obviously she saves the day at the end with yeah, her computer yeah. knowledge. Yeah, um, she so, she did what Samuel and, and Jackson and, uh, could there, not do. Yeah, there's a there's a plot hole for you. There's a bit where like Ellie and Grant are like trying to fight off. They're having a door competition with the raptor. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Ellie's like, I'm trying to reach the gun, but I can't move away from this door. Meanwhile, Tim's in the background slapping his head like a monkey. Yeah. And he's just that, like, oh, that killed I, me watching that. I have that. nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. And also, only five minutes before, Lex and Tim like had a door fight with a raptor and won when the raptor was trying to get out of the fridge or out of the freezer. Um, he's trying to get out of the freezer and yeah. Lex and Lex. Tim pu- push it shut and they, they lock mm. it. He but was slipping on ice, though. He was slipping on ice, but yeah, he, he, yeah. Could, he couldn't find purchase. He couldn't find purchase. <laughs> couldn't, he couldn't get traction. But he's... It's still, exactly. it's, it's, it's a fucking 13-year-old and a 10-year-old um, yeah. versus a raptor with ice versus two grown adults and a raptor, and they couldn't... Uh, You're right. Know. The children uh, un, should un, have unres- been eviscerated right there. Trevor, yeah. unresolved plot point. Yeah. You never find out why the Triceratops is sick. Do you remember from the book? Yes, I do remember from the book. Uh, they do, like birds. Um, these dinosaurs uh, eat stones to help digest their food. Do you remember what they're called? Uh, Gallastones. 
Gizzard stones. Gizzard stones. Gizzard yeah. stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In order to process uh, process all the plant vegetation, yeah. they have to chew up stones and then let the stones crumble up the the plant juice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they they inadvertently lift up a few uh, West Indian lilac berries. Yeah, yeah. And every it, every six weeks every or six so. Weeks. The uh, the stones become too smooth because they've been eroded. So they they regurgitate them or they spit them out, and then they eat more stones. And that's why the guy. The, the I thought doctor, they shot them out. No, they they vomit them out because that's why it's not thought... in. The, that's why it's not in the dino poo. Because um... she she checks the poo and it's not in it. Gotcha. What I love uh, this is very obvious yeah. uh, trivia for myself and Trevor and Ed, but for people who aren't nerds um the seat belt is a metaphor for the entire <laughs> film when they're landing the helicopter alan grant can't get his two female seat belts to connect they just won't breed if you get my drift <laughs> so uh he you know this this should not work but he finds a solution by tying the seat belt in a knot uh, therefore life finding a way two females breed but yeah. also it's a it's a metaphor for the whole park because you're arriving at this like spared no expense, amazing billion dollar setup, and uh, you know Hammond's like, oh, we fucked up the seatbelts. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, I'm sure that's no indication on how well organized we are here. Yeah, we never make yeah. we never make mistakes here at Jurassic Park. I mean Park. Sorry, I I I, I misspoke. <laughs> now come view our giant pigs. I do like uh, a lot of the stupid things they do wrong, you know, with the park. Like, you know, I told you there's meant to be a, a locking mechanism on the vehicle doors, which is like, yeah, of course, they're driving through a fucking uh, like dinosaur, a, land. A dinosaur land, <laughs> have a lock on the door. But it's also like they reference Disneyland and you're going, yeah, a lot of shit went wrong with Disneyland, um, you know, went live on day one. But the... The Pirates of the Caribbean didn't uh, 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 have sex with the tourists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Star Wars Gunner time. So, yeah. And just to explain, you know, is there a is there a small one scene character that sets out the entire trajectory of the storyline uh, or without this person, the film doesn't happen. I, I do have one. I feel you've mentioned it a few times, Kev. I feel you've got a hot take on this one. So I'll just get my mm. one out of the way and then I'll let you do okay. it. And then obviously, Ed, yourself as well. I don't have her. Oh, you don't have one. So no. let me just let me just cover my hot take with tinfoil so that it retains its heat. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm gonna lift mine up now. Um, Don't burn your fingers. <laughs> I have the taxi driver who drops Dogson off, Dotson off to meet Nedry <laughs> because what? he's a, so the taxi driver. I, t- I told Ed you were gonna do this. Really. I told Trevor's going to have a mad, mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trevor's going to have a mad answer to this question. Yeah. Well, go- so Dotson is the guy who pays Nedry one point five million to go and steal the embryos. So that's the whole plot. Without that, Jurassic Park is just a happy weekend, and Grant gets to see some dinosaurs, and he gets to see the T Rex and the goat and all that stuff. Um, but on the way on the opening of the scene where Dotson meets Nedry to give him the money to strike the deal uh, in the background you can see the taxi driver uh, of the taxi that Dotson gets out of and he's kind of like motioning towards Dotson as if to say because like, he doesn't close the door because he doesn't close the door so if that you know if, if he was a bit of an aggressive taxi driver he could go up and confront Dotson and it could turn into fisticuffs and Dotson might Trevor, never he meet didn't. 
Trevor, that, yeah, you, I'm just you, like in Star Wars, they didn't shoot the droids. He didn't, so the story continued. Dotson got to meet Nedry, and they went on their way. But, but Trevor, it, that does not work for this. Okay, I, I had Dotson as the original Star Wars gunner because it's a small character in one scene, but he's got a bit of dialogue, and it's not quite as small as the gunner. So I, I wanted to kind of pair it back, so I, I, I went back a step and said, okay, who gets Dotson to the scene? The taxi driver. And okay. that's why I said him. But I've, that, it's, I've, Go on. But yeah, you could also say, like, Nedry got a bus there, but the bus driver didn't shoot him in the face. <laughs> and if he did, then the whole story wouldn't happen. Okay, here's my Star Wars gunner. Um, the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper in the opening scene gets killed. Yeah. His, his, family, sue, his family sue the company. The, co- yeah. the lawyers get nervous. They agree that... When you say the, need- the gatekeeper, you mean Danny McBride from uh, <laughs> from Eastbound and Down? Did you? The, he looks exactly <laughs> like Danny McBride. Did I you? do. Not, he looks like my uncle Paddy. Actually, <laughs> uh, my uncle Paddy looks like he's Mongolian. Um, <laughs> does he have permed like he gel, does like, actually? Yeah, moose there's hair. A strange, there's a no, no. There's a strange thing with Irish. Certain Irish people look Mongolian, and um, we actually somehow have Mongolian DNA. I, well, Genghis Kang. Genghis Kang is uh, yeah. quite the quite the Lothario. My wife did one of those. Her family <laughs> did one of those DNA tests, and like they've got a good bit of Mongolian blood somehow. Anyway, so the gatekeeper lifts up the gate. He gets eaten by a raptor. Mm. His family sued the company. Uh, the lawyers get nervous, and they need to have some experts appear at the island. Without the gatekeeper getting eaten, the film yeah. doesn't happen. Because yeah. D- D- Dogson was always going to meet Nedry, no matter what taxi driver got him there or whether he bet him up or something. You know, he was going to make that deal, and that yeah. deal was already happening. It didn't, you know that that's that's part of the plot, but it's not the entire. It doesn't get your three main characters get, on the island. Exactly, Nedry could have, but um, if Dogson stole already... the DNA. Nedry could have stolen DNA. Nedry could have got caught in a storm, and the animals could have got loose. But so it could have been worse. He could have done it when the when the park was live, because yeah, but he, no, but he, the park but he the didn't. park wouldn't have been live. The park's not ready yet. Well, it's only not ready because it's there's a lot of litigation happening, and they're they're, they're, they're still fucking painting the walls at the front, Trevor. But 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 Trev, <laughs> but Trev, you, I I I I have to give this to Kev because your example, you're you're citing what a character didn't do. And this is what a character cho- like chooses to do. Or well, I know the Star Wars gunner doesn't doesn't shoot yeah, the yeah. whatever. This also but it's this, an action this, that he does that directly affects what happens. This 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 doesn't uh, this doesn't qualify as a, a Star Wars gunner because he's too much of a main player. But there's there's an irony in that John Hammond's catchphrase is "spare no expense." Yes, and he's got Why one does, IT guy. Wh- why? Yeah, yeah, I like the way he's like. Ah, oh, we've got the nicest ice cream you've ever had in yeah. all of of Costa Rica. We spared no expense. We got Richard Kiley to do the voiceover. We spared yeah, yeah. no expense. We've got the fanciest Chinese cars. We spared no expense. Then his IT guy's <laughs> like, "Hey, can I have a race?" And he's like, "Fuck you, buddy." Like, all right, all right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going for a meeting at the Taco Hut. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, speaking of Dachshund, um I didn't know that his name is is was derived from Lewis Carroll. So his name is Lewis Doxon. 
Uh, Crichton was a big Alice in Wonderland fan. Lewis oh, Carroll wait. wrote that, and Lewis Carroll's real name was Charles Doxon. So he, he combined the Lewis with Doxon to. It's a bit of an Easter egg there. Um, and so. the actor who played Doxon, Cameron Thor, in 2016, was sentenced to six years in prison for sexually assaulting a 13 year old girl. Uh, yeah. Full yeah. circle. We've got a dodgy. We've got a dodgy lad here. <laughs> yeah. So he's currently in prison. Yeah. Okay, Trevor. Here's some trivia for you. Mm. What does? Do you remember at the start, like the second scene, where yeah. the bloodsucking lawyer is on a little boat? Mm-hmm. What does the dude say in Spanish under under his breath? What is it? What does he say? He he says he says uh, I've got a thousand pesos. Says he falls. Ah, and he's, he's wobbling on the pallet because yeah. he's a stupid oh. ass uh, yuppie. And yeah. then within five seconds, he's like walking over some general stones and he slips. Oh yeah, yeah. Gennaro or the guy who plays Gennaro. Um, Gennaro. Gennaro. He was. Gennaro's the... kind of a hero in the book. Yeah, he he's quite muscly and he saves the kids. Whereas Ed Regis is like a PR piece of shit. Yeah. In the book, so they kind of give Gennaro all of his awful qualities. Gennaro read the book um and i think it's because he read the book but either way he wanted to be more of a hero and he on the apparently he, he was on the flight over with uh jeff goldblum and he went up to me he goes so i'm thinking of pitching to steven that I, I i think your character should die at the at the paddock scene and my character should go on to be more of a hero and uh, apparently jeff goldblum was like saying um i don't know about that you, you go and say that to steven if you want to and then i think Goldblum got to Stephen in front of before he got to him and said, "Oh, I think this guy's going to pitch something crazy to you." By the way, just giving you a heads up. <laughs> but that was kind of his Machiavellian way of kind of like making sure that didn't fucking happen. Well, not only that, Trev, Jeff Goldblum in the initial script, uh, Jeff was supposed to basically do the exact same thing as Gennaro does, where he yes. jumps out of the car and he yeah. runs off like a chicken. Yeah. Whereas he pitched, mm. "Hey, what about what if I'm a, actually a legend, and I try and copy Grant with the flair?" And then the the T Rex like basically up. noses me right in the gooch uh, until yeah. I fall into a toilet. Which is funny because that like what he did there, I always thought was the stupidest thing. Like it was like it actually yeah. in the cinema when when Grant came out and started waving the flare, and then it cuts to Ian Malcolm lighting the flare in the fucking yeah. jeep. Who lights a flare yeah, in yeah. a jeep? Like that got a laugh in the cinema because everyone because he was already yeah. the comedy character. Everyone was like, "Oh, what's this moron going to do? Again? Like, what's he going to do next?" And then he gets out. And he's like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey!" And he starts running away. Um, yeah, what a fucking idiot. Like, I, I thought that was like the stupidest thing. That like it was a bit out of character for him almost. But I get. Mm. But it was also in character because he would. I as a kid watching it, I actually took that as like this cool guy was almost jealous of Grant being the hero, and he wanted to be the hero. So well, that's he, essentially what the actor did yeah 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 Yeah, so it's kind of i think watching um watching the sort of behind the scenes i think sam neil was a little bit surprised by how sexy jeff goldblum is (laughs) yeah like uh i think sam neil said like yeah you know this guy is supposed to be a uh matt's nerd and then uh, jeff goldblum comes like amazing chest he's like super tanned as well like he he looks amazing like have you i would i would contest there is at the start of the dino dropping scene. I've never seen a man approach a massive pile of shit looking so sexy. Oh, with such finesse! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. dude, that dude walks up to a pile of shit 
yeah. like you know like prince approaches a guitar or a pile of women <laughs> yeah 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 uh, Good address, like, he looks Daniel amazing doo-doo. okay yeah just quick trivia parts like things that we already know but listeners m- might not be aware of like the water vibration scene um that vibration was created by a guitar um you know they put a guitar underneath the bonnet and they oh. it was the, the it was the uh well, to be speci- to be specific yeah, he couldn't get he couldn't get the achievement. Spielberg wanted this concentric circle in the cup yeah. thing. He couldn't do it, and he had a, a cup resting underneath on the back side of his guitar. Yeah, as he strummed it, so they ran a guitar string yeah. through the dash, hmm. essentially turning the dash into a massive guitar. Yeah, exactly. They didn't like attach a guitar underneath. Yeah, the yeah, it was like the string. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was they they turned the, the 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 car into the, the body of a guitar. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it's a thing that you For would say, it's a thing that you would say. Hey, just make that happen. It can't be that hard, but surprisingly yeah. difficult. Exactly. Yeah. Because when yeah. you said it there, Trev, I just pictured a tiny uh, child or man with a guitar <laughs> under the boot of the car, going. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> playing Hotel yeah, California. Baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, other quick um, trivia points: as once Spielberg saw the first draft of the movie, he was ecstatic with it, and he was so happy. He just stepped away from post-production um, and handed the reins over to George Lucas. Uh, he said, hey, you're the head of ILM. You manage this. I'm going over to do Schindler's List. And he just checked in periodically with the movie. So once production was done and he'd, saw, he'd seen the first edit, he pretty much stepped away, which not, not a lot of people know, apparently. Not a lot of people know. Mm-hmm. Favorite quotes. Uh, so I know I mentioned earlier on that it's basically anything, anything that's... Anything that's delivered by Nedry or Malcolm is it, so anything that they say, I'm not even going to bother referencing it because it's just like you know, particularly from a Nedry perspective, um, when he's talking to the Dilophosaurus, where he's saying, uh, "Hey, nice, nice boy, you want food? I just fell down the hill. I'm soaking wet. I don't, I don't, I don't get any food." Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, what do you, what do you want from me? Yeah. What do you want from me? And he's talking to a dinosaur, like a Seinfeld character would talk to a petulant child. Yeah, yeah. And it's just exactly. really, really funny. Um, I like Gennaro's character or Gennaro's Oh, please, line. can I say this one? Go on, go on. My favourite line that I didn't obviously get as a kid, but are, are, are these characters auto-erotica? Uh, auto <laughs> auto-erotica, yeah, yeah. And like, what's really funny about that is that Hammond doesn't know what auto-erotica is. Yeah. And he just goes, no, 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 these are, re- these are real lads. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Is this the idea of, uh, of Gennaro hearing that term and forgetting it? Yeah. And just putting it at the back of his head? Yeah. And then saying, all oh, right, I'm, this is a great tour now. Are these auto uh, erotica? Yeah. But it's also <laughs> such a weird line to make it into the final script. It's a weird yeah. gag. In a, kids, in a kid's movie. In a kid's movie. It's not, it's kind of, this is a mishmash between favorite quote and cutting room floor and plot hole and vague, just vague, weird thing to say. It's when they meet the Brachiosaur and uh, they're talking about just dinosaurs in general and they go, oh, how fast are they? And Hammond retorts with uh, or replies with well we clocked the t-rex at 32 miles an hour and i was like that's not what they asked you're just fucking humble bragging like you're like grant asked <laughs> how fast is that dinosaur and he's like oh well i clocked the t-rex at 32 miles an hour you've got a t-rex say it again i've got a t-rex it's like saying like what time is it oh well my rolex says it's four o'clock you've got a rolex <laughs> say it again i've got a rolex how did you get it i'll, sh- I'll show you and and also the, the, that delivery of the line again it's not a favorite quote, but I just kind of like how Hammond, when, when, when Grant says to him, how did you do this? And he just whispers kind of lo- sensually and lovingly into his ear, I'll show you. 
it's kind of creepy and it, <laughs> and it kind of shows that he's kind of that nutty professor type or nutty CEO type character um, and then Gennaro we'll have a coupon day that's, that's a funny line as well okay one star IMDb movie reviews just to give us a little bit of the other side of the story before we start gushing over Jurassic Park prior to making our decision on whether this movie should be in the sinister involved or not let's get the other side of the coin what do the people of imdb think of this film so <laughs> reb ma 6292 uh, what's what's his, his name, name? reb ma 6292 uh, reb, reb ma reb ma uh, on the like rebel like a mother of a rebel yeah like the mother of a rebel or a rebel <laughs> with the ma uh, who was born in 62 <laughs> and he was born in 92 maybe uh, uh, so and by the way on top of his review he does actually clearly state that there are spoilers in this review so just just in case you don't Ooh. know that yeah watch, watch out folks it's a 1993 movie uh, if you haven't seen it <laughs> yeah so it's hard to even rate this movie one out of ten there was just nothing positive that could be said about it dinosaurs being brought back to life question mark I mean, come on! <laughs> it was such a disgraceful plot. My six-year-old nephew didn't even enjoy it, and he loves dinosaurs! <laughs> the, the acting was dreadful. Jeff Goldblum should be ashamed of his performance. His role in Earth Girls Are Easy was way better than the role he did in this movie. <laughs> Not to mention, the dinosaurs were hardly entertaining or interesting. Like, I don't know, was he expecting some fucking card tricks or some juggling? Yeah, Where's yeah, the musical number. Jump through a hoop or yeah, something. Yeah, no musical number. Oh, my God. Uh, this movie was obviously the worst movie of the century. I expected more. It's sad how the movie We're Back was monumentally better than this. I don't even know what. Oh, what a... S- we're Back, a dinosaur yeah. story. What a stupid That was an animated point. Don Bluth, I think. It was about oh, uh, dinosaurs yeah. coming John back. John Goodman, I think, did one like of the pre- voices in that one, I think. Probably the T-Rex. Yeah. That's amazing, Trevor. I love, I love, I love this, like, you know, people, <laughs> I love that dude took time out of his yeah, day yeah. to give out of a Jurassic Park. Do you want to hear something worse? <laughs> 50 out of 108 people found this review helpful. <laughs> it's just a lot of stupid cunts out there. Because that, that dude just seemed to be complaining about, what's this, the magic realism of cinema? Realizing the, you know, dreams that cannot be, that cannot exist in real life? No, fuck, fuck this. Like, like you watch, watch Star Wars and go, you, there's no noise in space. This makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll do one more here. Uh, we've got this guy. His name is. Um, I'm assuming it's a guy because, like, I, I'm just assuming because a girl wouldn't. Yeah, you just you just have a bias, Trev. Most assholes. Most are. idiots that that waste their time like wanking into the comment section of IMDb are morons and they're <laughs> yeah, mostly men. Yeah. I think. <laughs> uh, sample dancer. That's, that's like us. <laughs> yeah. This could be sample. my review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is your name Sample Dancer, Ed? Um, so his 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 headline for the movie, or sorry, his headline for the review is would have made a great forty five minute Twilight Zone episode. Fair enough, it probably would have. Grant um, with a small with budget, a small budget yeah. yeah, and uh, Shatner in the in the in the in the lead role as Grant. Okay, so maybe one out of ten is a bit harsh, but this film bored me to tears. I remember seeing this in the cinema on its initial release, <laughs> what? and I damn near fell asleep. So then I heard. So then I hired the DVD today, November twenty fourteen, 
to see if it was as boring. How do you hire a DVD? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> It's not like a yeah, contractor. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah yeah a hire purchase program. Uh, it's like two euro a month until you own the DVD uh, after twelve months. Make sure that tank is full when you're leaving that DVD back. <laughs> yeah, make sure you've rerounded back to the start of the DVD. Uh, uh, I, I, I hired this DVD today, November 2014, to see if I was just suffering from the hype back in the day, and I fell asleep again watching it. That's it. I think he's got narcolepsy. I don't think it's actually. Uh, <laughs> It sounds like a very sleepy old man. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to make the decision whether this movie deserves a place, a lofty place in the Sinistream vault. Look, we've been gushing over this film for the last two hours here. Whatever we're going to edit it down to, just for the viewers to know, we've talked for over two hours about this film. I'll start with me. Look, it's always going to have a place in my heart. It is probably, it's not a film I'll rewatch every year but only because I've watched it to death to the point where like the, like last week Ed, we made a joke about a videotape had being worn in certain scenes that you watch a lot of yes, <laughs> my actual yes. Jurassic Park, my Jurassic Park uh, video actually started to get really grainy um, after a couple yeah. of years. Cause I, yeah. I, I watched it so much. I wow. like it's in, it's ingrained in my brain. I bought it on VHS. I bought it on DVD, Blu-ray, and now I have it on 4k and whatever the next technology jump will be i'll probably buy it on that as well now i have um, it wired directly to my cerebral cortex <laughs> yeah it's a, de- it's a desert <laughs> island movie for me um it's in the it's, a, it's yeah, in my top 100%. it's in my top 10 top 20 yeah. whatever um but yeah it's in the vault for me ed i'll start with you and then i'll let our guest um put the cherry on top of the gush here yeah it's a it's a it's a fantastic movie it's a perfect kind of christmas day movie it's a real event movie. It's one of the kind of mm. last real event movies when they were like good. I mean, you had your Independence Days and those kind of movies yeah. afterwards, but it was the last really good quality movie. And what mm-hmm. what makes it so good and what why it's aged so well is partly due to the casting of it. Like you were talking earlier on about... Um, Harrison Ford playing the Alan Grant part and maybe like Sean Connery could have been uh, John Hammond, Mm. but then he would have been just looking at the movie stars. And like, I don't really view Alan Grant as a sort of an action hero. To me, he was never really an action hero. And I think that's because Sam Neill was playing him. He was like capable and he knew about dinosaurs, but he wasn't like a traditional action hero. And like Laura Dern is fantastic in it. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Samuel L. Jackson, these, you know, the, the actors in it have gone on to bigger and better things apart from mm. Richard Attenborough, who just died. But the rest of them have won have won Oscars and become more famous. Yeah. But when you watch Jurassic Park, it's the movie that is yeah. the star and not the yeah, actors. Yeah. And it's just the, the, yeah, it's the just dinosaurs a, are almost the star, you know, they, exactly. It's like they, yeah. The yeah. cast, they stand, stand back and let son. Stan, Stan Winston and his crew take the credit. Um, yeah, and and it is it is something that yeah I would I would probably watch it once a year, but it's one of those things where if if I was kind of half doing something and it was on TV, I just like I'd leave it on in the background. Oh yeah, it's a real and that's and that's probably we've all watched it so much. It's it is one of those movies that like you could almost watch it going to sleep. <laughs> it's like you just have it on in the background yeah, yeah. and listen to it. And yeah, and as a kid, like I remember being up in a kid's birthday or in a friend's birthday party, and there was a a, a girl who 
the mother uh, of my friend had like hired for the day to like babysit. Like she's a babysitter, so she she wanted help because there's now going to be like twenty kids running around the house. So mm. she got like the babysitter to come in and help out. And as like a as a ten year old, I just I, I fancied her. She was like you know eighteen or something. And I just thought she was gorgeous. Sounds like they spared no expense. <laughs> but to at the end of the party when we we're waiting on the parents to pick us up, uh, we somebody wanted to put on Jurassic Park, and I'm like, oh, oh it's my moment to shine. Because at that at that point in my life, I could actually do every line of the movie from the start right yeah. through the whole movie. That's so what, I, that's well, what you're like, everyone's gonna love. Everyone's me. gonna love me, and like one or two kids had never seen the movie before. So I'm like, oh. I wanted to make sure I was within earshot of the babysitter, so she could hear me as I just like said all the lines of the movie. He knows uh, every oh, line. He's so mature for his age. Yeah, and I remember in years to come, I I I, I said that I'm gonna have sex with this <laughs> yeah. kid. And I, I said it to my uh, my friend um, a couple of years later. I'm like, do you remember that? And he goes, I don't remember it, but the babysitter mentioned to me a couple of years later. They they thought you were like on the spectrum. They thought you were like a some weird genius type child that just knew <laughs> knew movies end to end. I'm like, no, no, no just Jurassic Park. Uh, but yeah, they, they thought they, they thought I was like a Rain Man type um, type character. <laughs> we got a, we got a, you were just a cake loving child who loved Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, bit of a tangent. But, but, but um, I yeah, I think obviously uh, this this deserves to go in the in the vault in this metaphorical vault. It's a perfect film. It's it's one of those rare moments, lightning in a bottle moments, mm. where every single aspect of production is working at 100%. I mentioned earlier where it arrived at a perfect time in cinematic history when practical effects had already reached its yeah. peak and were almost kind of on the way out and CGI were just starting yeah. off. Um and it it they just met in the in the middle perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I I definitely agree with Ed's point. The casting was was very smart. By not picking too big a star. Mm. Nobody's too big a star in this movie. It doesn't take you out of it. You're immediately engaged. Uh, I think it's just... It, yeah, it's 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 a perfect desert island movie. Yeah. One that you can watch with your entire yeah. family. And nobody's going to give out. Yeah. It's, not, it's not like Drive. <laughs> where your younger yeah. brother says, I find this movie a bit slow. <laughs> or your mother says, I find this a bit yeah. violent. Or your father's like... I'd like to see more driving, to be honest. <laughs> and, then, and then they go off to write their IMDb uh, reviews. <laughs> One star yeah. drive review. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then your, your brother goes, the jacket's class, though. I'm going to buy that on Amazon. <laughs> but then it doesn't look as good when it arrives. <laughs> okay, look, I think we're all in agreement. I, I just like to say the one thing that will never go extinct is our enthusiasm and love for this movie, Jurassic Park. <laughs> Beautiful. Also, Trev... Uh, check out Al, Al Yankovic's Jurassic Park song. Oh yeah, yeah it's I really will. good. Yeah. yeah, it's almost as good as the one that we all done together. Great, great YouTube. video as well. <laughs> oh yeah, very true. Yeah. Play that at the end. All right, boys. Hey, listen, Trev, love the podcast. Keep it up, and uh, it's been very enjoyable to be a part of this. <laughs> yeah, nice, <laughs> nice care, outro, guys. Kev. <laughs> cool. Thanks. See guys. the movies, boys. So there you have it. No surprises there. Jurassic Park is lodged firmly into the vault and there it shall remain. Now, as promised, 
for those that listen through all the way to the end, we do have a little surprise for you here on the CineStream Club. A little CineStream surprise. But before we get to the surprise, let me remind you that if you want to connect with us, we're on Instagram at the CineStream Club and we're also on Twitter at the CineStream C1 because that's the best handle we could get. Now, the surprise. If you've ever asked yourself the question, what would an Irish production of Jurassic Park the Musical sound like? Well then, look no further. About six or seven years ago, myself and fellow CineStreamers, Andrea Farrell and Edwin Salmon, and today's guest, Kevin McGarn, got together and made a recording of Jurassic Park the Musical. If you want to check it out, it's on the Lightswitch Hat YouTube account. Or if you want to listen to it, just don't hit stop, because here it is. The CineStream Spotify Apple Podcast premiere of Jurassic Park the Musical. I'm an old man, an old man with billions of dollars. I've achieved so much, but I want more. If only I could get some prehistoric DNA, then I would make a dinosaur. I'm but a dino, dig up guy. I believe they evolved and have since soared. I'm a simple man who hates kids. I just a dig up a dino. Chopper outside. It's a regular man made Noah's Ark. Come be an I'll give you money. Okay, we'll go. We fly through the night. What's the name of this place? This place you call Noah's Ark. Geniuses, how do we know the dinos have no penises? I mean, there's a matter from different times. Some of these plants could kill a change. Wait, stop, please cease fire. The only one on my side is the blood sucking lawyer. We can have a coupon day for poor people.
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the U.K. for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. 